0: I think I'd be ignorant to say that Christianity is the only right religion. I don't know what the right religion is. It's just what I believe it is. Some people that I've met as just I've had friends
1: and and the minute they find out about me or the minute that I I do anything that doesn't follow their religion, I'm they don't want anything to do with me. There's a lot of good and there's a lot of bad that can come out of it. And I'm not sure if it's from religion that the bad or the good comes out of it or whether it's the people.
2: I respect a lot of faith and I think that Christianity is a pillar that's influenced by the other great religions in the world. My view
0: on anyone who claims to have a monopoly on truth is that there is no one truth about anything. I think that a lot of religions say the same thing in different ways.
1: Well, hey there, Cornerstone, Uh, Pastor John here from Chicago. So excited to be with you today and to join in with you on your Explore God series as we ask questions about God, try to seek understanding, have good dialogue, and uh, I'm just blessed to be here uh, with you, and I'm excited to um, jump in God's Word with you today. Um, The topic and the focus that we will have today is, is Christianity too narrow? is Christianity too narrow? And uh, that's a really good question. Um, I've always considered myself a uh, spiritual uh, person. Um, I've always thought of religions, to be honest, as like rules, um, things that just rules and systems to make you a better person and to help you be in a relationship with God. That's how I always thought about it through most of my life. Um, As a young kid, I remember my parents sending me to Catholic school. And so thinking about rules and systems there in school, And when I was in my teens, kind of searching, I had turned to Islam for a season and became a Sunni Muslim for about, I think it was like six, seven years. And so um, that was praying and rules and uh, Ramadan and a lot of different things. And then it wasn't until I was 19 um, where I uh, came to faith in Jesus Christ and became a Christian. And I was still thinking through this process of rules and structure and narrow and, But I realized um, being a Christian was way more than that. Um, It was more about a relationship. And so I want to focus our time on is Christianity too narrow? That's the question that we'll be seeking to answer. And I want to. Guide you through a couple passages in the Bible, and have this dialogue, and, and kind of see where God would take us as we answer this question. And so, I want to just pray for our time. And uh, if you, where you are, if you're comfortable, if you could bow your heads, I would love to just pray a blessing and direction over our time together. Let me just pray right now, God. I thank you for um, this time that we get to just answer this question about is Christianity too narrow. Thank you for the listeners and the viewers who are at home, who are joining us online. I pray for your blessings over them. I pray for clarity and direction. And I pray that you would be the one that would speak to us and help us to understand, is Christianity too narrow? I pray your blessings over your word in this time together, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wanna look at a passage found in the book of 1 John. The book of 1 John, I wanna look at two verses. And I think these two verses will help us to understand um, and answer this question of Is Christianity uh, too narrow? In First John chapter four, if you have a Bible, a cell phone Bible, you could uh, jump on there. Maybe you have an iPad or a, a, you know some form of um, technology or your laptop. Uh, meet me in what's known as First John, and we'll be in chapter four. And in chapter four, there's a passage that I think lays the foundation of this topic. And I have three kind of points, three takeaways I would want you to consider as we answer this, this question of is Christianity, Christianity too narrow? Um, here's the first thing I want you to, uh, just think and consider. First point is, um, God is love and that he desires our good. I want you to just think about that, that God is love and he desires our good. Um, Where am I getting this from? In 1 John chapter 4, beginning in verse 7, we're going to look at verse 7 and 8. It says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, and here it is, because God is is love why are we starting with this verse the reason we're starting here is um, how you view god has a direct impact on how you view christianity so let me just say that again how you view god has a direct impact it has direct implications on how you view christianity so we think about is christianity too narrow Well, we must begin with, well, what do we think about God? So let me just ask you a question. Uh, What comes to your mind when you think about God? When you hear the term God, what comes to your mind? Do you think of an angry father? Do you think of someone who's controlling? Maybe you think of someone who's harsh and cold. Maybe you think of someone who's gentle and kind. So often our understanding of who God is and what he is like really is based on what we think he is like and not actually who he truly is or who he has revealed himself to be through his word in the Bible. When you talk to your coworker or your neighbor and they talk about the man upstairs or they talk about God, oftentimes we're referring to what we think he is like, but not who he actually is as he has revealed himself to us. You know, in Chicago, um, we have the greatest basketball player of all time. His name is Michael Jordan. I know some people think it's Steph Curry or LeBron James. Um, But for us in Chi-Town, we say Michael Jordan. And you could be in barbershops, hair salons. You could be, you know, out in the street talking to people. And they'll go on and on and on about how great Michael Jordan is. And um, we even got a statue of him inside the United Center um, where all the the Bulls games are held. And it's the big statue of him dunking the whole Jordan symbol. And uh, people will be like, you know, he won this many rings. He's, you know, MVP, won MVP. Now they name all these statistics. He averaged this many points per year. And people will go on and on and on about data and statistics about Michael Jordan. But if you ask anyone, but do you personally know Michael Jordan? Uh, most people would be like, oh, well, no, I don't know. So, you know, what they mean is when they, you know, Michael Jordan, if I say, hey, you know, Michael Jordan, like, yeah, I know Michael Jordan. No, you mean, you know, of him, you don't know him personally. And a lot of times that's how it is with God. People know of God and they have a lot of ideas about God and they can uh, say a lot of things about him, but they don't know him personally. What we find in first John chapter four, verse seven and eight, it says, God is love. He is love. That means God doesn't simply love, but he's the very essence of love. He's the very definition of love. Love is at the very core of his being, that if you could think of what um, the true definition of love would be, God would be there. This means that there isn't a more loving person in existence than God. And so one thing to know about love when we think about love, especially in relationships, is that true, genuine love always wants what's best for you. If someone says that they love you, um, that means that they do not desire your hurt, right? They don't desire harm. If someone says that they love you, but they desire your hurt, they desire to intentionally harm you, that means they do not desire your good. And they don't love you, right? How many times have we thought about people in our lives who be like, oh yeah, I love you. And it's like, well, if you love me, then why would you treat me like that? If you say you love me, why do you do that to me? Or why do you do that to her? So for someone to be loving, to be known as a person of love, it would mean that they want what's best for us. And so it means that if God is the very essence of love, then he must desire what is good for you and what is best for you. Whether you believe that truth or not. One of the most famous passages in all of scripture, John 3, 16, says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that is Jesus. He loved so much that he gave, that whoever believed in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world or judge the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. It's amazing that one of the most famous, well-known passages in all of Scripture and all of the Bible talks about how much God loves the world. And why does He love the world? Because the very essence of who He is is love. He couldn't be God and not love. Oftentimes, Christianity feels too rigid, too narrow because we see God as a drill instructor, someone who's barking orders at us rather than a loving father who loves us and desires an intimate relationship with us. Christianity is all about bringing you and me into a loving, intimate relationship with God. And maybe you were taught that Christianity is just about going to church, reading your Bible, trying to be a good person. Maybe we could add 10 more rules to the list. But Christianity is more than just going to church on Sunday, reading your Bible, or being a good person. The foundation of Christianity Christianity is not about what you do, but the foundation of Christianity is about who you know, and that's God. It's not about earning his love. It's about receiving his love. It's not about all these boxes I have to check, these to-do lists I have to do in order to make God love me and accept me, but rather receive love from this loving God. First Peter, the book of first Peter in the Bible, uh, chapter three, verse 18 says this, for Christ, that is Jesus, also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. Why? Listen to this, that he might bring us to God. That's the whole goal. Can I let you in on something? An amazing truth. Heaven is only great because God is there. If you remove God from heaven, it doesn't it's, doesn't, it's not heaven anymore. It doesn't continue to be a place of good in heaven. Heaven isn't simply a place. Heaven is a person. This loving creator, this God who is overwhelmed and overflowing with love and desires that you experience that with him. And so if we're going to answer the question, is Christianity too narrow? We must first start with, well, what is Christianity about? And who is God and what is he like? Well, we find out here in the Bible that God is love. He is the very essence of love. And he desires your good and my good. And so second, after that's the first observation, is that um, God is love and he desires our good. But then the second point, the second thought I want you to consider in seeking to answer the question, is Christianity too narrow? Let's now focus on this second thought, which brings the tension that we tempt, that we often feel. It's this category of God's rules and His commands, um, which people tend to have that tension with of like oh, all these all these things I have to do. I want you to consider this second thought. God's commandments are wise and for our good. God's commandments are wise and for our good. Where do I get that from? Well, I want to look at 1 John chapter 5. We looked at a verse in chapter 4, but in chapter 5, verse 3, it says this, For this is the love of God, or this is how we show that we love God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not a burden. They are not burdensome. Notice there's a connection now with loving God and these commandments, these rules, the, these, these um, teachings in the Bible Um, Now, I want you to remember, we started out with the fact that God is love. That's what the Bible teaches us, that he's at the very nature and essence of who he is at the core of his identity and being. He's loving and that there's no one in existence that is filled with more love than God is. And so that means if God is the very essence of love, that means his commandments, his teachings, are not to make you not meant to make you feel like you're in prison. they're meant for your good. They're meant for my good. And so as we said before, how you view God directly impacts how you view the Bible. That's why we start out with who is God? What is He like? And the very essence of His nature being love, because how you see God directly impacts how you see the Bible his commandments. If you view God as loving, as good, with your best interest in mind, then his commandments are good. They're, they're not these um, chains and shackles to keep you bound and to be so rigid, but they're actually guidance that is helpful and good for your soul. They're wisdom for you, they're direction for you. I have uh, children. Um, I have three boys. Uh, my oldest son is 23. And then uh, my middle son is uh, 10, about to be 10 years old. He's nine, turning 10. Ben is yeah, nine, turning 10 in December. And then Judah is seven. And then I have two children uh, in heaven who are not here with us on earth. And uh, But my two youngest, Ben and Judah, they love candy and ice cream, like period. <laughs> Um, parents, if you, any parents at home, you, you understand you shaking your head. You like, yeah, I get it. Like they love sugar. If it was left up to Ben and Judah, they would, they would eat cookies, gummy bears, and ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner period all day, every day. In fact, um, I'm pretty sure when I, when I, uh, see them later, they will be like, dad, can we have some cookies? Uh, can we have some gummy bears? If we're in a car, he's like, can we stop at Walgreens and get some gummies? Can we get some, you know, can we, <laughs> can we stop at CVS, get some ice cream? Can we stop at the store? Can we stop at Target? And uh, they would eat ice cream every day. They are too young to understand diabetes, heart failure, <laughs> poor health. And uh, not only do they love ice cream, cookies and sugar all day, well they eat Nile and gummy bears all day and Twizzlers and all that. But they would sit on their Kindles and my iPad all day if I let them. So if it was up to them, they would be on dad's iPad or their Kindle playing games, watching shows, eating gallons of ice cream, Twizzlers, gummies, Twix, Snickers, hungry. Why wait? Right. They would be on that all day long if I was to say yes. And you know what? They think I am too rigid. (laughs) They think I'm being too narrow when they say, can we have some ice cream? I'm like, nah, you had too much sugar. I'm not trying to give you sugar before you go to bed. No, you need to give your Kindle a break right now. You've been on electronics all day. They think I'm too rigid, but let me ask you a question. How loving would I be as a parent if I were to let them eat ice cream and cookies all day while sitting on their electronics all day long every day? If you just saw me doing that, my kids, you'd be like, man, you you can't say you love your kids and you just feed them sugar like that all day long and just let them sit on electronics, right? The Bible and our walk with God and our understanding of him is the same way. You know what? It's bigger than just ice cream. (laughs) I got rules in my home. Like, you're going to respect your mother, right? I'm not going to let Ben and Judah just sit there and disrespect mom. That's your mother and that's my wife. I love her. I'm not going to sit here and let you talk back to her, talk down to her, be rude, right? I have rules. Um, Not just do I want you to respect your mother. I want you to respect all of humanity, any human being. I want you to be respectful to them, treat them with respect and care. I want you to especially treat women with respect, children with respect, the elderly with respect. That's a rule that I have, and I don't compromise on it. I don't want my kids treating women with disregard because they're going to grow up to treat their wives that way. I don't want them treating the elderly with disrespect. I don't want them to throw trash on the street. When we get done and we go get Chick-fil-A, that's our favorite place to go eat, Chick-fil-A. When we go to Chick-fil-A and we get our food and they're done with their nuggets, I don't want them throwing their trash on the ground. You take your trash to the trash can. That's a rule that I have. I want them to be generous and share. I don't want my kids growing up being hoarders and selfish. That's a rule that I have. That's something that I, that's a culture of our home. I want them to be kind and respectful. I want them to be honest. I don't want them lying, being manipulative, being deceitful, right? And I don't I don't want to be that way. I want them to check me on that. Right. I want them to be men of integrity. I want them to have integrity. I want them to be humble, not arrogant. Yes, be confident in who you are and God made you, but don't be arrogant. Right. I want them to be humble. I want them to work hard. I don't want them to be lazy. I don't want them to expect handouts every five seconds, expect everything to be handed to them. I want them to work with their hands and to be generous. And I want them to have Fun in Jesus name. And so if you ask my kids, they'll be like, yeah, my mom and dad love Jesus. We're Christians, you know, Um, but man, we eat pizza. We hang out. We scream at the TV when we feel like the refs made a bad call in the game. <laughs> we argue and wrestle over Monopoly and we talk trash, right? We have fun, but we're respectful, right? I have rules. These rules aren't meant to hurt my kids. They're meant to help them grow and to mature law abiding citizens that are just good fun people to hang out with that are honest and have integrity. And here's the thing, just because they don't agree with my rules and they want to eat ice cream all day um, just because they don't care about my rules doesn't mean that my rules aren't good and that I don't love them. You know, as a kid, I hated rules. I lived in a single parent home in a very poor and violent area of the Philadelphia, a city of Philadelphia. And uh, I thought my mother was too rigid. I thought she needed to loosen up. Don't hang out with them boys, right? Uh, make sure you in on times. I hope you ain't doing drugs. Stay away from them drugs. Don't be drinking. Do your homework. Pay attention in school. Don't eat all that junk food. I heard the same thing when I was a kid, right? And I thought my mom was too rigid. Like, man, loosen up. But it wasn't until I was 19 years old and sitting in prison, strung out in my drug addiction, that I finally understood what my mom was trying to protect me from. Right? That sweet little kid drifted through middle school and high school and landed, ended up in a ditch because the wisdom my mother tried to give me I felt was too rigid and too narrow. You know, God's the book of the Bible, God's word to us is not just all these rules. It's, it's wisdom to help us, to guide us, to protect us. It's a loving father trying to speak to us. And when we think about sin and we're like, ah, oh, everything's about sin, When God says don't sin, what he's really saying is don't hurt yourself. That's what he's saying. Don't hurt yourself. God's command are not just for our good, but they are wise. The Bible is meant to be wisdom to us, not to be so narrow, but to help us. I'm just going to give you a couple examples from the Bible. Let's nitpick just a couple things that would be like, okay, the Bible is so narrow and rigid. Let me just give you four examples, four verses to just consider. James chapter 1 Verse 9 says this, Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. My goodness, wouldn't our jobs be better if we were, (laughs) wouldn't our marriages, wouldn't our relationships, wouldn't our friendships be so much better if we were quick to hear, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger? What's the opposite of that? Slow to listen. Quick to speak, quick to anger. How is that going to go? Another verse, Exodus 20, verse 15 says, and you shall not steal. Don't steal. Don't be a thief. I teach that to my kids. (laughs) When we walk through Target, I don't want them stealing Hot Wheels. (laughs) I don't want them stealing M&Ms. We're going to purchase that, right? It's not good to steal. And maybe you're in an environment where your boss is telling you to lie. You're tempted to cheat on your taxes, claim kids who aren't yours, right? The idea of being a thief. Many of us would say, man, that's not good. Ephesians 5.18 says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit of God. The Bible doesn't condemn drinking. In fact, Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. But the Bible has a lot to say. I'm like, man, be careful about getting drunk. And maybe that's some of you right now, that's your struggle. You go to work, you function well, but you got this hidden struggle that you just can't stop drinking. You don't know how to put the bottle down. You have too many shots, one too many beer, too many bottles of wine. I mean, it's wisdom that the Bible is not simply trying, to be, simply trying to be narrow, but to say, man, it's not good to be drunk staggering all over the place. Here's the fourth and final one, Matthew 5, 27 to 28. It's Jesus said, this is Jesus speaking. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. You shouldn't have an affair. But I say to you, everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent in his heart has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus says, hey, man, you shouldn't be having an affair. No adultery, please. But hey, when you're looking at women lustfully, are you looking at that guy lustfully? Man, you're already starting to have adultery in your heart. And you be like, man, that's too rigid. That's too narrow. Why is Jesus saying that? Well, no one just slips into an affair. Maybe marriage isn't going well and a relationship isn't going well. And that woman at your job or that guy at your job, you're starting to fantasize about them. Your neighbor or your coworker or your sister's friend, you're starting to lust after him in your heart. And maybe it's wise but Jesus said, man, you know, maybe if you address that lust, that, that, that fantasy that you have in your heart, that might keep you from actually making the decision if it presents itself. Now, let me ask you, I just presented some scenarios to you and you might look at that and say, well, that's too narrow. But let me just say if this was a friend or let's say you had a spouse that didn't practice. They did the opposite of everything I just said. How many of you would want to be married to a spouse who is quick to speak, slow to listen, very quick to lash out anger, who is a thief who constantly steals, who is always drunk and staggering all over the place and is always chasing after other people and having affairs. How good is that gonna go, right? Maybe like, man, you just described my dad. The home I grew up in, my father was always drunk, can't find his keys, never would tell the truth, would never listen when we were trying to talk to him. Was quick to speak, slow to listen, would never listen to what me and my brothers were trying to say. Always lashing out in anger. There was a connection between him getting drunk all the time and his darn anger. And I wish my father would have been filled with God's spirit and God's God's love rather than being drunk with alcohol and Hennessy and vodka all day. Is God being too narrow or is he lovingly trying to protect you? God's commands, his teachings, his rules, his guidance, his word, the Bible is not meant to feel like policies and a code of conduct at your job. It's meant to lovingly guide you and help you to live a fruitful life as you walk in a loving relationship with him. And so God's commands are wise and for our good. That's the second thing I want you to consider. But here's the third and final thing I want you to consider as we answer the question, is Christianity too narrow? Here's the third thing. Our relationship with God is fueled by love for him. The Christian faith, Christianity, that relationship between us and God is meant to be fueled by our love for him. Where do I get that from? That same verse that I read, 1 John 5 three says this for this is the love of God let's just kind of unpack it this is the love of God that we keep his commandments some of your translation says this is how we show our love for God this means that we seek to obey the Bible not earn God's love or some merit with him we obey the Bible we obey his word because we love him it says uh, and this is the love of God this is how we show our our love for God, that we keep his commandments. Notice the connection between the Bible and some of the verses I just read to you about being slow to speak, quick to listen, to being a person who loves, to not stealing, to not, yeah, if you're going to drink and have a glass of wine, that's fine, but don't let alcohol control you and become an alcoholic and a drunkard. Be careful. Don't run off having affairs and committing adultery, but Man, check the lust and the fantasy world of your heart that, man, that's not meant to be so narrow, but you do it because you want to love God and be a healthy person and walk in all that he has for you. So not only is God the very essence of love, but he desires that your foundation, the foundation of his relationship with you be based upon love. That when we talk about the Bible and these teachings and scripture, that it's, Our keeping of it isn't because we're trying to like earn something, but because we actually love him. Deuteronomy chapter six, verse five says this this is what this is what God says. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Think about this. How many things do you love? I love sports. I love a good slice of pizza. I love New York style pizza. I like ginger ale. I love green tea. I love the travel. I love my wife. I love my kids. And I love God. If I say I love God, that means something. Why would it seem strange to you that your creator loves you and has gone to great extent to bring you into a loving relationship with himself? Why Why would that seem strange? Think about this, that there is a creator, there's a God who is overwhelming with love, not hate and that he uh, has gone to great extent to create you and to bring you into a loving relationship with himself and that he desires the foundation of your relationship with him to be based on love. Why would that seem strange? Isn't love the foundation of all healthy and intimate relationships? All true relationships that are intimate and healthy has love at their foundation. Why don't you think about this? My wife, she loves flowers. Danielle loves flowers. Um, Imagine that I got her some flowers and it's not our anniversary, you know, or or uh, or uh, Valentine's Day. So imagine I just showed up at our house and I have this big, beautiful bouquet of flowers and I got her some chocolate covered strawberries and I gave her a gift card to a 30-minute facial massage. My wife loves to get her facial, her, her facial massage when she gets her eyebrows done. The woman that does her eyebrows has been giving her a facial massage for years. Imagine I showed up to Danielle, and I'm like, surprise, big bouquet of flowers. And here's a 30-minute uh, gift card to getting a face, a face massage, and here's some chocolate-covered strawberries. And imagine Danielle go, oh my gosh, John. You're so sweet, you didn't have to do that. And then I go, yeah, that's my job to do. My husband, that's what I'm supposed to do, it's my duty. Ouch, (laughs) that's not gonna go well. That doesn't seem like, like, she doesn't want me giving her flowers because that's my duty. But imagine if she says, oh my gosh, honey, sweetie, thank you so much, you didn't have to do that. And I say, no, there's nothing that brings me more joy to see you experience love. There are no amount of flowers in this world that I feel would be worthy of you. There's nothing that makes me more happy than to just lavish you with the love that you deserve. Oh my gosh. (laughs) She'd be so happy to hear that, right? Because there's a difference between my relationship with my wife being based on duty and being based on love. Here's a quote to just think about. Christianity will always feel like a religious burden when it's not rooted in love. It's going to feel like rules, regulations, and narrow and all this stuff when it's not rooted in love. When love is removed, it just feels like all these rules. My kids don't think about my love for them when I'm telling them no more ice cream tonight. So that's why it says in first John chapter five, verse three, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not meant to be a burden. Why? Because it doesn't feel like a burden when our relationship is rooted in love. Christianity will always feel like a religious burden when it's not rooted in love. Christianity is based upon an intimate relationship with Jesus who loves us and was willing to give his life for you and me. And so the things that we do in our walk with Christ and living out Christianity reflects this intimate love relationship. Let me give you two quick examples. Prayer. Why do Christians pray? Prayer is an act of love. We pray to God, not because we want to earn some points or simply because we want to perform some religious practice, We don't just pray because he's like Santa Claus and we're just coming to say, this is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. We pray to God because we love him and he loves us. We need him. We desire him. There's a relationship there. When I was dating Danielle, when we were dating and she would tell you, I'm not lying. When we were dating, we would talk on the phone for hours, (laughs) hours. In fact, we would fall asleep sometime on the phone. We'd be on the phone at like 12, 1230 and she would like doze off, I would doze off. I could be washing the dishes, she's doing laundry, we watching a TV show. She used to love watching The Office. We would, she'd be watching The Office, I'm watching football, we talking and talking about the day, talking about life and it's like 12 at night you just hear, <sighs> we both dozed off. <laughs> Why would we talk so much on the phone with one another? Because we love each other and we desire to be in each other's presence. I talk to my mom like once a week, once every other week, because that's my mom. I love her. I want to talk to her. I talk to my sister. I talk to family, right? You regularly talk to those you love and desire intimacy with. So why do Christians pray? Because we love God (laughs) and we need wisdom. We need him to tell us no more ice cream, (laughs) right? Put your, put your Kindle down. Hey, when you're going to work this week, why don't you be uh, slow to speak? Be quick to listen, slow to anger. That might be helpful in your job and your work performance or your relationships. What about the Bible? Why do we read the Bible? Why do Christians read the Bible, the Word of God? We don't read it as an act of religious rule, but because we want to know God better, right? It's like reading a love letter from my wife or, um, you know, I sent an email to my mother. If I sent an email to my mother right now just telling her things, she would probably read it. Right? We text each other. It's a way of communication. The Bible is God communicating to us. We learn about what he was like. How would we have known that he's loving unless he told us? We also need his wisdom. We need his guidance, right? So the Bible teaches us how to love our neighbor, how to be better parents, how to be a good friend, how to steward our money, how to walk in integrity, what the future holds with so much chaos in this world, what we can do when we feel discouraged, what we can do when we're facing challenges and your grandmother has cancer. So is Christianity too narrow? I would answer is love too narrow? because I believe that a loving relationship with God is not a burden, it's actually a gift and a blessing. So as we close, I want you just to consider this final thought. Christianity will always feel like a religious burden when it's not rooted in love. Let me pray for you. God, I just thank you for this time that we got to examine the Bible and to think about who you are and is Christianity so narrow? Um, you don't desire that your relationship with us be based on all these rules and regulations, but that at the foundation of it would be love, because there is no one in existence more loving than you. I just pray that whoever um, watched this message today would leave with more clarity, knowing that uh, Christianity really at its core is a relationship, about it's a love relationship, it's a, um, a faith that's based on love. It's, it's love at the core. It's a relational um, faith based upon the work of Jesus Christ. Thank you for this time. Thank you for my friends. And we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Cornerstone, for allowing me to share this time with you and to talk about this topic. Have a great week and a great day. You are loved.
0: Is it even sacrifice if I trade?
2: Yes, Lord, you reminded us that narrow is the way that leads to life. And relatively few there are that find it. Broad is the way that leads to death. It's a big highway, but God wants us to have the life that he offers us. The Lord invites us into a relationship with Jesus. If you've never done that, if you've never opened up your heart to him, if you've been considering it, but haven't quite made that leap, go for it. You'll never regret it. Welcome him in. If you need some help finding your way, let us know. We're here for you. But for those of us who have opened up our hearts to Jesus, who have started on the narrow way, maybe for many years now, we've been walking with him, with the shepherd, stay on it. Don't quit. Don't be weary and well-doing. Keep Jesus at the center of your life. Keep confessing him as your Lord and savior. Never quit, (laughs) never quit because he doesn't quit on us, right? Keep loving him. Lord Jesus, we confess to you our great need for all that you have for us. Teach us your ways and help us to walk in the way so that we might have the life that is truly life. That's our prayer in Jesus name.